uh, I just want to just refer to a highway uh, as if it's a type and shadow of our journey here on earth. Uh, Whether it's 70 years, 90 years, 110 years, it's a highway. And uh, when you're on this highway uh, with God, this highway moving towards what he has planned for you, his destiny for you, there's a lot of exits along the way. Uh, Not everybody is on this highway. The Bible says this, that narrow is the road that leads to everlasting life, and only a few are on it. Narrow is the road that leads to everlasting life, only a few are on it. Now, if I tell you I have a few bucks in my pocket, how many would you say I have? Just look at the person next to you and just tell them. Just say, just go ahead, tell them. If I say a few, two, three, not enough, (laughs) a few, if I say I have a few, uh, that number in your mind is is the number that comes to me from a percentage standpoint when I think about the number of people that are on that road to everlasting life. Now, the second half of that verse talks about another road. It says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. Now, my son is six years old. Sometimes he'll ask for a toy, and when I say no to that toy, he'll look back at me and he'll say, is it because it's too many dollars? As a matter of fact, yes, it's... It is too many dollars. Uh, that's, that's exactly right. You know, it's, it, when, I, when I think about uh, too many, when I think about many people being on this broad road, it's just startling. It's, it's kind of jolting. Does that make sense? Now, when you are on this highway, let me read you uh, this, this scripture. You don't have to turn there. Just You can read it on the screen. Isaiah 35, verse 8. And a highway will be there. He's talking about our life. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk that way. The unclean will not journey on it. They won't have anything to do with it. No, thank you. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Uh, it's, it's a highway. It's, it's the way of the Lord. It's, it's what um, disciples of Christ do. You know, I read a recent poll that says that 80% of Americans are Christians. 80%. Uh, raise your hand if that's surprising to you. Raise your hand if that's surprising to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's surprising. But then it, it dawned on me because 8 out of 10 people that I'm around... Do not sound or look like a Christian. Eight out of ten. You go to the mall, eight out of ten. You go to a football game, eight out of ten. Especially when the Texans are losing. (laughs) Eight out of ten in that whole stadium are Christians. My goodness, that's, that's pretty amazing. Until it dawns on me that a Christian is something very different than a disciple. And Jesus doesn't really care if you call yourself a Christian. He does care if you call yourself a disciple. In the Great Commission, he says this, Go ye into all the world making... Oh, you guys are so good today. Say it again. Go into all the world making... 
disciples. It doesn't say go into all the world and make Christians. It says to go in the world and make disciples. What's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? A Christian believes in Christ. A disciple models Christ. And that's what we do. We disciple. So I'd like to ask those same people when I said 80% call themselves Christians. That's awesome. Okay, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Let me ask you one more question. How many of you are disciples? Ooh, I'd love to see what happens to that 80% number. Because there's a big difference between Christians who get off on exits because they believe in Jesus. Do you know Satan believes in Jesus? And then the people that are on that highway... There, there are things that are important in life, like paying the bills, having a good job. Any of you that get a big raise this year, I'm so happy for you. Uh, you know, all these good things in life, so happy for you. But when it pulls you off the highway, you begin to lose five things. You lose five things right away. Because there are five things that are on the highway with God that are not found anywhere else. First two are grace and mercy. You can't get that anywhere else. Grace and mercy. A lot of people feel like grace and mercy are interchangeable words. They're not interchangeable words. Mercy is when you and I do something stupid, uh, something sinful, and we need to come to God and say, I am so sorry, and he forgives us and gives us mercy. Now, have you ever thought to yourself, I don't even want to say I'm sorry because I know me, I've been around me my whole life, and I'm probably going to say it again. Have you ever thought that? I'm probably going to do it again, so I may as well not even say sorry. Well, that's when grace kicks in. God gives us grace. Grace is strength exactly where we're weak. Those two things are only on the highway. You don't get them anywhere else. God will not forgive you unless you are in relationship with him. It seems like a natural connection, but for many that's kind of uh, a different... uh, You stand before God and you're not in relationship with him, you don't get mercy. Do you understand me? Number three is salvation, going back to standing before God. That that happens only if you're on the highway. If you're living your life on the highway when your heart just stops. I was listening to a story earlier this week of someone who had a nephew, 16 years old. Woke up to go to school, was walking into the bathroom, fell over and died. Just like that. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Now, when you stand before God, if you lived your life on the highway, you get mercy, you get grace, and you have salvation. You live forever and ever in heaven. Here's the fourth one. You have peace. Now, uh, has anyone here ever seen that movie, 12 Years a Slave? Uh, I recommend it, but I don't recommend it. Does that make sense? Uh, I recommend it because it deserves every Academy Award out there. I don't recommend it because uh, it was the most heartbreaking movie I think I've ever seen. It was about a, uh, a black gentleman uh, who was very successful, 
who was kidnapped, if you will, by white people and put him in the south, the southern states, put him into slavery. And uh, to watch uh, these white people treat slaves the way they did, I felt like I was watching, uh, this sounds so heavy and, and I halfway apologize, I felt like I was watching devils treat other human beings the way they were. I mean, they had whips and they were hitting them with steel pipes. And it was just, I, I sat there and I, I was just asking God to forgive us for, for what we did. And I was so heartbroken. But then I saw something in that movie that I knew about, but it was really precious to actually see it. These slaves would be in the fields and they would be singing. And it's where gospel songs, where some of all of our favorite songs were birthed. And they would be singing these songs. And in that moment of their day, when there was anywhere between three to four to several hundreds, all singing at the same time, these demonic, if you will, slave owners would get so angry Because they had found a way to step out of the natural and step into the supernatural. They're in the field, but they're not. They're experiencing a presence of God that we still sing their songs today. We still sing their songs today. They, God gave them the keys to be able to escape, even if it was just for a moment... And they would sing choruses and gospel songs. And it would be how they would escape and experience a peace that would infuriate both the demons that were invisible and the visible ones that I call the slave owners. It would infuriate them because they wanted to beat them down so bad, but they couldn't take away the keys that they had to escape and to experience something precious that no one else understood. And I want to say this, that if the slaves in those days could experience that, what happens when your job just doesn't pay you enough? Do you think you can get in under those circumstances? You know, all of a sudden I walked out of that movie and I said, I will never complain again. I will never complain again. I want to say this, that only on that highway, only on the highway of having a relationship with God, can you step out of hell on earth and experience peace. Only on that highway. There's certain things that are only on the highway. Some of us in this room, we have spent many a season working, trying to fix this relationship, trying to fix this job, trying to work on, you know, spend the whole weekend trying to figure out how I'm going to mend my relationship with my boss or mend my relationship with my work associate or how am I going to get myself healthy? I'm drinking these drinks that say they have 47 bananas in them. Have you ever had someone tell you, you drink this drink, you have 90 apples and 47 bananas in this thing? I'm like, man, 
I might as well go to the jungle if I'm going to be drinking. It, it, you, do, you do all of that stuff and still you can't get healthy and you can't fix it. And, and the, I would just tell you that if you are on that highway, you're not responsible to take care of all those five areas. Mercy and grace and re, uh, uh, salvation and, and uh, 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 peace. Thank you, Colleen. Your boss is going to give you a raise for that. <laughs> and then number five, and, and this is almost my favorite, assignments. You know, you walk from one assignment to the next. Every morning you wake up is a special day to God. And he is with you. You're his son. You're his daughter. And just imagine you go from one assignment to the next. One conversation to the next. One moment to the next. You know, sometimes I tell the Lord, God, I'm probably going to talk to 40 people today. This is just an average work week. Every time I walk away from them, allow them just to be a few inches higher than they were before I started talking to them. I just want to walk up to them. Hey, how are you? Boom. And just move on. Hey, what's going on? Boom. I just want to go from one assignment to the next. I want to talk every person. Just boom. I just want them to just be an inch taller every time I talk to them. Just their day is a little bit better. And if you would, whisper something in my spirit that I can say to each one of these people. And it just touches their heart. Can you imagine just going from one assignment to the next. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could stay on that highway, experience peace in the middle of a storm, know you have grace, know you have mercy, rest your head on your pillow saying, if my heart stops beating right now, I'm going to have everlasting life. But if it doesn't, I'm going to wake up and go from one appointment to the next, to the next, to the next. But some people spend so much time trying to take care of Everything that's not on the highway. They get off the highway. Uh, For instance, every time my wife and I go on 45 North, we're going to stop at Bucky's, praise God. If you raise your hand if you've never been to Bucky's, go ahead, raise your hand. We're going to pray for you right now. Let's just. Bucky's is not a gas station. Bucky's is going to be in heaven. Bucky's is. I'd never before if I wanted a t shirt with a beaver head on it. I just. I was looking for pajamas with beaver head. It just going north. Bucky's only Bucky's will say in seventy-two miles. Bucky's will be here. Thirty-seven miles, twenty-seven miles. Nobody advertises at seventy-two miles out. Hey, we're coming. You get off. Next thing you know, you spend two hours in Bucky's buying shot glasses. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny? You go to Bucky's and all of a sudden you need things that you didn't even care about before you walked into Bucky's. And so then you find yourself totally distracted. You're behind schedule. You got to figure out how to get back on the highway. It's a big mess. Some people spend their whole life fixing this off on the exit. Like, for instance, not to throw people in Hollywood under the bus, but they're such an easy target. What happens if they didn't have $50 billion to make themselves look good and they were constantly looking good all the time? What if they didn't have all that money? What would 
Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie look like if they didn't have all that money? That's exactly what they would look like. I'll tell you what. What would Kim Kardashian and Kanye West look like without all that money? What what would uh, Rihanna look like with all that money? Britney Spears, what would she look like if she didn't have... What about Jennifer Aniston? How, How would she... Yeah. Ooh. Hey, you know what? If I had 100 million, I would be smoking hot too, just so you know. I would buy me some pecs and some... (laughs) Can you buy muscles? You can? How do you know? (laughs) What would uh, Johnny Depp look like without all that money? Yeah, he does look like a pirate from the Caribbean, doesn't he? What about Madonna, the, the material girl? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, oh. David and Victoria Beckham, what would, what would they look like? Yeah. We said cheese. Victoria, oh, what's wrong with you? Uh, what about Sarah Jessica Parker and her, uh, yeah. Tom Cruise, booyah. Hey, welcome to our world, Tom. See, we don't swing off buildings with no shirt on. This is, what about Myrie, Miley Cyrus? What would she look like? Yeah, yeah. Jay-Z and Beyonce, what would they look like? Yeah. Am I telling the truth? That's what people normally look like. They don't look bad. That's just, you take $50 million away and that's what you get. This is, you spend your time off the highway, you can accomplish some good things in life. But let me just say this. You spend your time off the highway and, and you accomplish all the things in the world. And I just want to let you know, when your heart stops beating, it's not worth a hill of beans. I really want all of you to have the nicest house, the nicest car, the nicest clothes. The the Lord smiles when he blesses you. I really want all those things. But if it's going to distract you to the point to where you can't be on the highway, I I would rather you lose it all and get back on the highway. I'd rather be in the ditch with God than on the mountain with everybody else. Thank you for helping me preach. This is, uh, let me talk about Samson as I uh, begin to land this plane. Judges chapter 16, verse 17. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. I'm going to stop reading there just for the sake of time, but I do want to say this. This is one of the saddest stories because he was a judge over Israel for 20 years and all of a sudden he takes an exit. Um, I don't know. If you are an adult in here, you know what jacks are. If you're a a youth, you don't. (laughs) Jax uh, was like the coolest game in the world 
when I was growing up. They used to be metal when I was uh, a kid. Um, I say kids don't know about them nowadays because they play $500 games with the, the thing, my jig deal. But uh, back when I was a kid and we had to walk to school with no shoes on. <laughs> we could see a movie for a quarter. Um, <laughs> We played with jacks. Now, for those of you that uh, has never played jacks before, the point, and you can make up your own rules, and I usually do once I start losing, but jacks, the whole point of it is to drop the ball, and when you drop the ball, you're supposed to pick up a jack, okay? Uh, Now, if you drop it, sometimes you can just let it bounce twice and pick it up. Sometimes you let it bounce four times, see how many jacks you can pick up. But for the sake of this illustration... I'd like for you to imagine that each bounce is a decade. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Imagine that. Okay, so each bounce is a decade of your life. These jacks are everything that uh, is appealing in this world but it could be very tempting for you to get off the highway to go get them. Very tempting. Now watch this. I'm going to show you how to play jacks, okay? There's a... Let me back up. Let me try that again. Let me show you how to play jacks, okay? Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let, me, let me show you how to play jacks. Like I said, what you got to do, see, what had happened was... Okay, you you got to have hand speed, all right? You got to. Okay. All right. Clearly, I don't have reflexes like a jungle cat like I used to, but here we go. All right. Okay. It's it's been a while. Okay, it's been a while. I promise you. (laughs) Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This worked better in my office. Hold on. I promise you my message is more important than these jacks, but I just need to get this down real quick for myself. Now I'm forgetting how to play the dumb game. I just caught myself say something that was on my notes, but it's actually better than what I have on my notes. My sermon is more important than these jacks, but just give me a second. Did you catch that? God, I love you more than the world, but I need you to hold on because As soon as I get these jacks, I'm going to start getting serious. Just hold on. 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. Now I'm mad. (laughs) Because I just lost my ball. 
Do you know, many of us have this in common. Have you ever met somebody in their 50s, 80s, 90s, and they're mad? They're just grumpy. Just grumpy. Irritable. You know, if you can get them to peel back the surface, you know why they're irritable? Because they've spent their whole life chasing jacks. And they got off the highway. They're wondering about grace and mercy. They're wondering about salvation. They're wondering uh, about rep- they're wondering about assignments. They've had no peace. They've been trying to make peace because if I give you all these jacks, you know, I've been in a few marriage counseling sessions. I don't do them anymore. I give them all to James because he's better than I am. But so often I hear husbands tell their wives, I got you this house. And what do wives say? I can care less about the house. But honey, I spent 50 years getting you this house with these jacks. And sometimes I sit down with single ladies that have spent their whole life with jacks. And then they hear me come up here and tell a story about how my mom didn't fulfill her assignment in my life because she left too soon. And another lady came into my life and spiritually adopted me, raised me, got me back on the highway introduced me to my wife and now I'm a preacher today all because one lady that wasn't my mom that I didn't meet until I was 19 adopted me. Can I just say that when you're not on that highway, you will never know your purpose and if you don't know your purpose, you'll never be able to measure success properly. Thank you for helping me. Three consequences of exiting the highway. Samson exited the highway. There are three consequences. The first thing that happened is he lost control. He lost control. All of a sudden, these Philistines came and grabbed a hold of him. People that were weaker than him are now controlling him. People that are weaker than him are now controlling him. Isn't it frustrating when something really small is controlling your whole mood? Have you ever gone straight and had a trashy day all because one person said something, and in the grand scheme of your life, that one person really doesn't mean a whole bunch? Have you ever Ever notice that we work hard to please people we deep down really don't even like? <laughs> Erase that. <laughs> we'll cut that out of the video, okay? Because we like everybody. Okay. Lost control. When there's one small thing that seems that we should be able to handle this. Have you ever thought that? I should be able to handle this. This I should be able to deal with this. You feel like you can't deal with this. You're beginning to lose control. That's the first thing. These Philistines tied up Samson. So he lost control. The second thing he lost was his vision. They took their thumbs, rammed them into his head, and ripped out his eyeballs. I'm sorry for being too gruesome, but I just want you to get the point. Lost his vision. There once was a day where, um, yeah, I love watching kids. Let me just shift. When kids draw pictures and I ask Luke, what is that a picture of? And he says, well, this is going to be me. I'm going to be a hockey player. Then I'm going to be a basketball player. 
and then I'm going to be a fisherman, and, and then I'll be a preacher. You see all the preachers right there at the bottom? It's like, oh, that's cool. Um, it, it, right there, it, it, when we were kids, we had all this vision. You know, the enemy wants you off the highway and take your vision and get you, I like the way Marcos Witt did it, get you consumed, completely consumed with the jacks. Stuck. <laughs> So number one, he lost control. Number two, he lost his vision. Everybody say number three. He lost his mobility. See, Samson had this assignment on his life. And he pursued it. And his assignment was to free the children of Israel by conquering the Philistines. Now, the way he did it was silly. I mean, he took 300 foxes one time, put a torch in between their foxes, tied two foxes together with their tail, put a torch in the middle and burnt down their stocks. Now think about this. If it's you that are supposed to defeat the Philistines, is that really the first thing that comes to your mind? Foxes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch Let's just stop right there. I can't catch an armadillo in my backyard. <laughs> he caught 300 foxes. What do you do with the first 100 you catch? <laughs> Put them in a box? <laughs> we go, go to someone's house, hey, can I leave this in your barn? I got to go get 200 more? I mean, think about it. This is how he did things. So he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He made a lot of mistakes, but yet still he's moving forward. And that's what I love. You're just constantly, I'm not the sharpest. I don't, I make a lot of mistakes, but one thing's for sure. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to pursue. I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to worship and I'm going to do silly things like tie foxes together, but I'm, I'm going to pursue. You know, I remember when I was 17, I used to sneak out of the window in the middle of the night and, and I'd go out on the town and do things I shouldn't be doing. And then at four clock in the morning I'd crawl back in there and I'd, I just got done acting like the devil and I'd get in my covers and I'd hold my pillow and I'd say dear God I'm so sorry for what I just did please let me still live my destiny the next night I'd slip back out the window come back in and slowly but surely mercy was always there he kept on forgiving me but then grace started coming. And when grace comes, I have the strength to not even want to go out the window. But in the process, the mobility, whether we mess up, whether we're short on grace, whether we're praying, we keep on praying, we keep on trying, we keep on praying, we keep on trying. And, and your family gets to watch you mess up and keep on trying. Now, Samson, watch this, he loses control, 
He loses his vision. He loses mobility. He loses control. He loses his vision. He loses mobility. He loses control. He loses his vision. He loses mobility. He gets thrown in jail. His hair starts growing back. He humbles himself before God. He kills more people at the end of his life than he did at at the beginning. Now watch this. How do you and I, who still have lots of time left, and those of you that are older than me, you still have lots of time left. If you can do this, there's still more assignments that God needs you to do. Watch this. How do we make sure we don't exit? I don't like bowling unless I have bumpers in the gutter. What can we do to put bumpers in the gutter to keep us on the highway? Because every once in a while, something sparkly. I'm like, the if I were a fish and you were fishing for me, you'd catch me every time. Because I see something shiny, I'm like, whoa, what's, what's that? Ah. How do we... <laughs> How do we stay on the highway and not take these exits and go spend two hours at Bucky's? How do we take, how do we stay on the highway and, and, and stay in that flow of mercy and grace and one assignment after the next and experiencing peace? Can I be so courageous to tell you this? A lot of the peace that many of us are looking for, you're not going to find it because you got to get back on the highway. You can get frustrated at him and get frustrated at her and get frustrated at it and get frustrated because, you know, the person, get back on the highway. So what are our bumpers? There's three bumpers. They may sound familiar to you. Number one is you keep your control. The Bible says that the little foxes is what kills the vineyard of love. So if you look at a marriage and the love is going away, you say, what happened? And then you ask the wife what happened and she says, well, he never did the dishes. And the husband's like, dishes? This is about dishes? Well, yeah, it's also about your underwear on the floor. It's also about you not cleaning up. It's also about you watching TV all day. It's also about you not talking to me. It's also about this. It's also about that. You talk to single people and there's things around them that's just falling apart relationally. And you say, why? why? Everything used to be so good. Why, why is it going bad? And you ask them, it's just this and it's that and it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. And you say, why don't you like your job? What's wrong with it? Well, it's just this and it's that. And it's, it's a whole bunch of little stuff that is now turned into a big old mountain. It's the little foxes that kill the vineyard. And we have to stay in control and look at it and go, that might be a little thing right now. But when it grows up. You ever look at a little lion that's this big and you're like, oh, he's so cute. I want one. And then they grow up. That's not cool. You stay in control and say, yeah, it's shiny. Yeah, I'd love to chase it. But you know what? God, help me. I got to stay in control. Don't let these little things that are so appetizing, they're sinful. I'm not doing it. And God, I need your help. I need your grace to help me not do it. Number one, we keep our vision, number, uh, keep our control. But number two, anyone want to take a wild guess what it is? We keep our vision. So we keep our control. We keep our vision. How do we keep our vision? There's a, a pastor named Young Yi Cho. He's struggling. You got to pray for him. He's got about 30 million people in his church. 
Literally, he's got 30 million people. He's a Korean pastor. 30 million. I mean, think about that. How many million does Houston have? Four or five? Million? He's got 30 million in his church. And people ask him, how, how often do you pray? He goes, I pray every day, sometimes four, five, six hours a day. What? Have you ever decided I'm going to pray real long right now? And you start praying and then it's like three minutes later and you're like, well, that's everything. <laughs> like that was your best shot at praying a long time. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. He <laughs> said, Youngie Cho, how do you pray for so long? He says, everything I pray about, I close my eyes and I imagine it while I'm praying for it. I visualize it while I'm praying for it. So when I'm praying for the people in my church and I say, God, thank you. that you Just put thank you before every request and it all of a sudden turns into a visionary faith statement. God, thank you so much. And he goes, I begin to envision bigger numbers on checks. Lord, give them raises. Allow them to prosper. I start envisioning. That. And then I start saying, God, allow uh, so-and-so to get healed. And I start imagining them running instead of being in the hospital. And then I start, I start praying for my kids. And I start imagining them worshiping. And everything that he prays about, he sees it. He sees it ahead. He sees it. And that's the first, that's the second thing. If you and I are not going to take these, these darting exits to come play <laughs> to go play jacks. Do you know that when you stand before the Lord, everything that does not contribute to the kingdom is no more than getting really good at jacks? Number four is mobilize, stay mobile. Keep doing something. Keep encouraging. Keep worshiping. You know what I love to see is when somebody takes their time, their treasure, whatever in life they've accumulated, their time, their treasure, and their talent. Time, treasure, talent. Time, treasure, talent. They say, thank you, God, so much. They enjoy it because God wouldn't give it to you if he didn't want you to enjoy it. So if you can enjoy going to the Hawaii 15 times, enjoy it. But whenever you stay mobile and you say, God didn't give this to me, but to go through me. God gave it to me to go through me. And you keep moving with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Oh, something precious. Isaiah, why don't you come on up here? I talked to somebody the other day, and he said, you know, this is embarrassing, but I love to be sarcastic. I don't know why, but it just comes to me. It just comes to me. Uh, just so, I kind of like it, being sarcastic. He goes, it's just, it just comes to me real fast. He goes, it's very awkward for me to be encouraging. I feel awkward with it. You know, when you stay mobile for God, it's not just about the things that you can help people with. 
It's about what's in you that you can help people with. And when you stay mobile, you're going from one person to the next and you're lifting them up. You're going from one person to the next and you're lifting them up. And every chance you have, you pray. I want to give you a challenge. I want you to pray this, not right now, but on your own time. Say, God, every time you come to my mind, I'm going to pray. It may only be for 30 seconds, but I'm going to pray. I'll pray in my head. If people are around me, I'll pray out loud if they're not. But every time you come to my mind, I'm going to pray. Watch how many times the Lord comes to your mind. And what's happening now? You're staying mobile. You're given to people. You're given to God. You're given to people. You're given to God. You're given to people. You're given to God. It's God and people, God and people, God and people. The Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added to you. Given to God, given to people given to God, given to people. This is staying mobile. When you stop being mobile, seek firstly, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your understanding, and love other people as yourself. This is being mobile. At some point, Samson stopped being mobile. He lost his vision and he lost control. But if you and I hang on to our control, we hang on to our vision and we stay mobile. Oh my goodness, the same three things that'll put you in a, in a bear trap will be the same three things that keep you on the highway and moving forward. So I'll stand to our feet for me, please. Go ahead, put your hands together for the Lord. Would you do that? Anyone here ever play sports and you had a coach? Raise your hands. Raise your hand. You played sports, volleyball, basketball, whatever. Raise your hand real high. I grew up playing basketball. I've had a lot of coaches. I, I can't remember one coach I ever had that was not aggressive when he was telling me what to do. Sometimes too aggressive. Sometimes there are some four-letter words in that aggression. I don't know, throwing chairs and stuff. But good coaches are very aggressive. Michael Jordan needed a coach. Babe Ruth needed a coach. I want to tell you, you too, you need a coach. You need the Holy Spirit whispering in your soul saying, hey, don't do that, you're going to lose control. Hey, Hang on to that vision. Hey, move, say it, just say it. Just say something nice. It'll change the whole atmosphere in this whole situation. If you just say something nice right now, it'll coach you. And then when you come here, I as a pastor get to coach you as well. I get to say to you, hey, hang on, keep on fighting. I can't go with you Monday and get into the ring with you, but you can take a time out on Sunday and I can cheer you on and say, hang on, keep on fighting. Kick them in the knee, poke them in the eye, punch them in the nose. The devil is a liar. Just keep on worshiping. Keep on staying on. God's with you. There's mercy. There's grace. And I can, if you ever see the guy in the corner when, when, when like Muhammad Ali is fighting or something, and the guy in the corner is yelling, ah, 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 and then they take a time out. Well, he can't fight for Muhammad Ali, but he can just cheer him on. And and that's what the Holy Spirit does for you during the week. That's what I get to do for you on the weekend is to tell you, look, 
stay in control. Keep that vision. Stay moving. Try to turn apart car. It's impossible. Just keep moving. The Lord will work it out. He'll get you on the straight and narrow.